he's always a he's always got it going before I before I get started. But setting your priorities for the year, and really when you say setting your priorities for the year, it sounds like a big undertaking and a big task. But really, it's done on a micro level, and it's important for us to do that as God's people. And so, in the, in order for us to be successful Christians. Our priorities have to be proper and, and have to be aligned with what God would have us to do. Now, if you understand the way that God requires us and actually instructs us in his word on how to properly set our priorities, it, you know, it makes us better employees. It makes us better fathers. It makes us better mothers. It makes us better people. When we properly understand and when we have a proper alignment with God's principles, his spirit, his word, in our lives, okay? So there's an alignment that takes place. And I want everybody in here to understand that the, the, the ability to do that, it, we, have, we all have that capability. We all have the ability to do that. Sometimes what we need and, and the thing that we lack the most is the application of that. See, merely reading the Bible and merely thinking good thoughts, although thinking good thoughts is good, you haven't got off the bench yet. Right? You haven't done anything. That's still in the planning stages. Yeah, I can think of myself skinny all I want. But I take one look in the mirror, I ain't skinny. And it takes a lot of hard work and a plan, some kind of written plan or some kind of predetermined plan to set out and go, this is what I'm going to do. And establishment of milestones and, 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 and markers and things along the way for, in order for us to achieve that, Right? And we have to be focused and pointed in the right direction. So today's message is setting our godly priorities in place. And it does. Listen, man in and of himself, you and I, in our natural state, in our flesh, in our natural state, we are not fitting for God's presence. Amen? Amen. In our natural state, we talked, I think we talked about it last week, where you look at Adam and Eve and their failure in the garden, right? Remember when they took that forbidden fruit and they they, they weren't supposed to eat? There was one tree that they weren't supposed to eat from. God says, hey, of all the trees, of all the plants, everything in here, you, you cultivate it, you grow, you eat, and you're good. Except for this one tree. Don't eat from this one. They had one rule. Now it's flipped. Okay, you look at today's uh, mankind's, we're, we're surrounded by rules, we're surrounded by regulations, amen? Are we not? Now, when we're in our perfect state, when we're in the state where we were in the garden, we had one rule. Everything else was fair and open to us. We just needed to stay away from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Well, that flipped. And from that point on, it put inside of every man. And every woman, I use that term man, mankind, it put inside of all of us a nature that was indicative of Adam, our Adam nature, right? Where, guess what? We like to sin. We introduced sin, we willfully welcomed it in, mankind did, and we've been struggling with it ever since. So it doesn't matter how long we serve God. We could be, you know, fresh into this, three months into it, two months into it, a month into it, or 75 years into it. Priorities need to be established in our life. 
we all have to understand that, look, and it, you know, even if you're a student, if you want to end up at a four-year school, well, look, I, I learned a harsh reality. I had a, I had a guidance counselor in, 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 uh, in high school. I remember, you know, at one point through junior high, I was a pretty good student. I was a really good student, actually. You know, almost 4.0 all the way through junior high. And actually even into my freshman year. Then I realized I had a lot of work. <laughs> and I liked having fun better. But uh, so I paid for it, right? So, you know, I went to my high school guidance counselor. I think it was my end of my junior year or might have been my senior year. And I told him. I said, hey, Mr. Woods. It's a real man, by the way. I said, Mr. Woods. I want to go to UCSB, and a lot of you can use your own deductive reasoning to figure out why I wanted to go to UCSB. It wasn't because I had picked out a major yet, and I was not serving the Lord at that time, so use your, use your reasoning, right? I wanted to go to UCSB, and he looked at me, plain speaking, man, he's, I, I think he's from the South, he lived in, in California for, for a lot of years, obviously, and, and he told me, he says, Jeremy... You're not going to UCSB. Now, now think about that for a second. In today's day and age, you can't talk to kids that way, right? No, you can do anything you want, baby. Not if you don't get good grades. I didn't put the work in. And that's basically what he told me. Did he try to shush me? <laughs> no. Oh, when you put the grades in, if you don't put the work in, if you, don't, if you don't put the work in to get the good grades, you don't belong at those schools. Well, I want to go there, so therefore I should be able to go. That's not how it works. He said, Jeremy, it's not going to happen. He said, you need to get real comfortable with Bakersfield College. And I said, really? And I was, I was stunned. I was shocked because he would speak so plainly to me. Of course, if any of you know my dad, you realize it, it, the shock wore off pretty quick. And, you know, he said it much more eloquently than my father would. And he was right. I had a 2.9. What is that? Average, right? Maybe a little bit above average, right? It's right there, 2.9. I ended up with like a 2.99. And so he's like, hey, sorry, Jeremy, you're not going to go to college. See, my priorities were not aligned. Not that you're not going to go to college. You're not going to go to a four-year university. You're not going to go away. There were some other factors that went along with that. One, my, we were middle class and white. You don't get any help. There's, there's no help in there. So um, it's just the way it works. In Matthew chapter 6... In verse, at the end of the chapter there, <clears throat> now he talks, he starts talking to him in verse 25, and it's called the cure for anxiety. You can go back and read all that, and he, you know, he basically says, look, I'm going to feed you, and I'm going to take care of you. The Lord's already promised and guaranteed for those that put their faith in Jesus Christ, I'm going to take care of you, right? But there is a caveat to that. See, we cannot aimlessly bump through life thinking that God's just going to take care of us just because God's God. No, he has a prescribed way of doing things and a prescribed way of living. 
that we must adhere to in order to receive the protection and the blessings that go along with that life. Amen? It's his way or the highway. It's not my way. I didn't pick it up. I didn't design it. Matter of fact, we're going to read it. This was written over 2,000 years ago. This isn't anything new, except for it's new to the people that don't read it. And so for those that maybe you haven't been exposed to it, or maybe you haven't, haven't had anybody sit down and, and explain it to you, but realize, you got to realize that there's a, there's a godly way of getting through life. And he tells him, he's look, I'm going to give you all those things, the food, clothes. I clothed the lilies. I, I, I fed him. I, you, know, you know, he fed Israel in the, in, in, in the wilderness. He, he said, I will take care of you guys. He tells him, verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Oh, what happens to us in our lives? This is priority number one. Seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness and all those things will be added to you. We have to fixate and appoint our minds and our hearts and our hope upon the kingdom. And his righteousness. Why? Because we already covered the basic fact that mankind in and of ourselves, we're not enough. We need God. So you got to go to his word and his and his and as it says here, his kingdom and his righteousness. See, yours and my righteousness, it might work good for a little while, but eventually it's going to falter, isn't it? If we rest solely on our own righteousness. Why? Because we're flesh. But his righteousness never fails. His kingdom never fails. It's steadfast. It's forever. So we need to seek him first. Seek his righteousness. Seek him first. That needs to be priority number one for us in 2020. In everything that we do, we put God first in our life. So, well, that doesn't sound like any fun. Well, then you probably don't understand what it means to put God first. It's not as labor intensive, although it's not easy. It's not as labor intensive as one might think, right? It's like getting your finances in order. Sounds like a... Sometimes when you, when you don't run on a budget, oh, you start talking about budgets and getting your finances in order. That sounds like a, just, it sounds challenging, doesn't it? You're like, oh, I don't know if I want to do that. Well, you get it up, you do all the work on the front end, and then guess what? On the back end, it's a whole lot easier, isn't it? Because you set it up that way. And then you just execute your plan accordingly. And then it becomes a maintenance thing. The fourth proverb This is important for us to understand. We need to have and I know you all have heard me say this before is we need to have a laser-like focus on God and his eternal purpose for our lives, okay? It says put away from in verse 24, it says put away from you a deceitful mouth and put devious speech far from you. Let your eyes look directly ahead and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Watch the path of your feet and all your ways will be established. Do not turn to the right nor to the left. Turn your foot from evil. Now I have watched this, this very, the opposite of this or even, even the, the, the trueness of this statement. You could look at this. The Proverbs, it, it, you know, just for a 
informational standpoint, understand this. The book of the Proverbs, if a man, outside of putting his faith in Jesus Christ, if you were to take the book of Proverbs, just take it as an excerpt, okay? Take it and live by it. You would be successful. You would be very, very successful. Even if you took the, the, the title away from it as Proverbs, there are more one-line lessons in the book of Proverbs. There are more, more things provided to you, more knowledge and more wisdom provided to you in the book of Proverbs. The, the concentration level of it is, is through the roof. You could take those things, and I always say this. If I were stranded on a desert island, I'd have a barbell <laughs> and the book of Proverbs. That's what I would take. And the barbell I borrowed from my friend Tom. It'll give you something to do at least, right? He says there, let your eyes look directly ahead and let your gaze be fixed in front of you. Watch the path of your feet and all your ways will be established. Do not turn to the right nor to the left and turn your foot from evil. What, you know, what's the significance of being focused? It's basically what it's talking about. It says, let your eyes look directly ahead of you. Be focused on your goal. Be driven on the goal of Jesus Christ. Be driven on your goal of serving him. Why? Because shiny things get presented to you throughout your life. Now, we like to say, well, men have a tendency to get distracted. Women get distracted just as easy as men. Just the distractions are different. Women are not enticed by big TVs. Matter of fact, they're generally speaking repulsed by them. At least that's been my observation. <laughs> right? Now you take a man, and on the other hand, man, the bigger the TV, the better. You know, 82, 85, well, right on, let's bring it. You know what I mean? Sounds like a great idea. Those are the kind of shiny things. I just use those as easy examples for all of us to grab. It's, there's nothing wrong with having a big TV, by the way. There's nothing wrong with having a nice car or nothing, you know, all those other kind of things. And, and you, know, you think about all these things. We have to remember <clears throat> to not get fixated on the shiny things and the things that detract us and derail us. There are some universal observations that I've come to, come to realize over the years. If, if you're driving, and this is from a supervisor's perspective, right? So if you're driving out in the field and you got, you know, say you got five or six employees, and they're all standing around looking at something. They're all fixated on something on the ground. You know what that is? Huh? No, that's if they're leaning against a shovel. Something's wrong, right? That's generally speaking, you could say, oh, man, something's not right. And even though you'll pull up and the, the standard answer generally from, the, from the, the next level supervisor is, no, nothing's wrong at all. No, we're good. We got it under control. Then why are there six of you standing around looking at one thing? Because that's about $100,000 sitting, <laughs> you know I mean? sitting around looking at one thing. The, the, the reality of it is something's wrong. Well, they got fixated on something. When, now, I, that's not a, what I would call a boondoggle or something like that, but it is something that you're like, okay, something's wrong. If you're not moving and you're not making progress and you're not fixated on the goal that's in front of you, you've, given, you've, you've deviated from the path of success. 
that, that will, or the fastest path to success. I'll say that. Watch the path of your feet. Why? Pay attention to where you're going. Because a lot of times in our life, it, look, as a pastor and as a supervisor, all the things, you know, the Lord's blessed me. It's been a lot of work, okay? But I've been a manager for a lot of years and I've been a pastor for a lot of years now. I've doubled up on experience is basically what it's worked out to be, okay? And it didn't come, it's not handed to you. There's a lot of challenging, a lot of, a lot of difficult things, but there's a lot of blessings that go along with that. But one of the things that I'm sharing with you guys this morning is that if you, if you, can, if you can become good at understanding where you're at and where you're headed, you can predict and prevent yourself from pain and maybe needless hours and time spent doing things that you shouldn't be doing. Is do not turn to the right or the left. Stay focused on the job task. So we need to stay focused on, on our commitment to God. Seek first his, his kingdom. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse, verse 9, it says, Therefore, we also have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. That's a good scripture, isn't it? That's one of those ones that you want to amen to, right? You say, amen, I want to be pleasing to him. Listen, the real challenge is not sitting in here and amening that. The real challenge that we encounter with being pleasing to him is when? When we want to please ourselves. Because the first person you want to please is not God. It's in your nature. The first person you want to please is yourself. It's indicative by the, the clothes that we wear, the cars that we drive, the sides of towns that we live on, the types of food that we eat or we don't eat. You know, you go all those things. You go, oh, you're stepping on everything. Yeah, I'm stepping on everything because it's truth. None of those things are wrong in and of themselves. As long as we keep them in their proper place. Amen. But the second we put those things over our God, well, that's a problem, isn't it? We have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. Something that I would like all of you, and I don't know if you guys do this. But when you buy a car or when you buy a home, one of the things that I've always, and I haven't always been the best at it, but one of the things that I've always tried to use as a consideration, even before I was a pastor, was that, that when, when I bought a home or I bought a car or I bought something, that, that I, I put God in mind. That how I can use this to help my brethren and how I could use this in the furtherance of your gospel and your kingdom. And so all the things that you do, and you say, well, I'm not talking about your food and all those other kind of things, but there's a lot of wants and there's a lot of things out there that we go out and get, right? And so consideration and the understanding that we want to be pleasing, it should be our ambition to be pleasing to him. See, God gave you the house and God's given you the car, but he's not just giving it to you just to give it to you. 
He's given it to you so you could show to him that you're a good steward. Because all those good gifts come from him, don't they? There's a scripture that talks about that in the book of James. He gives us those things so that we could show to him how we could properly use it. Same as it is with our kids and our spouses and our homes and everything that we do. God gives it to us so that we can be good stewards of his will. In Colossians chapter 1, says in verse 9, he says, For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Sounds like a good thing, right? So that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We got to understand. Just a moment, okay? As it says there, so that you'll walk in a manner worthy to the Lord, so that you may please Him, not ourselves. Ooh. We got to put Him first, don't we? We got to put His will before our own. In Exodus chapter 20, Should be familiar scripture to all of us. The Ten Commandments. Verse 1, it says, Then God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. What? You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness in heaven or above or on earth, beneath or water and underneath. Now, you say, wow, now that's a good thing, right? You know, that we shall have no other gods before him. But how many times do Christians blow their own feet off? Because their God becomes their job, it becomes the money, becomes cars, becomes possessions, becomes all those different things. Now, it doesn't mean that God won't give you all those things. God, matter of fact, it's quite the opposite. When you put him first, he'll give you all those things and then an abundance of it. But when you hold on to those things with a a tightly clenched fist and you put those things before God, you will always be in want. Always. Forever you'll be in want because that's the way he designed it. If you give him everything, if you put him as your priority, he blesses you. But he blesses you in ways and according to his plan and his purpose. You say, well, we'll have no other gods before him. Now, when you read that in Exodus chapter 20, it's in the Old Testament. It doesn't take a biblical scholar to go, hey, Israel had problems with idols, didn't they? Throughout the entire Old Testament. They would take the gods of the peoples around them. They would take the gods. They would, they'd have household idols. They'd have all these different things. You say, well, you know, what's the translation? What's the parallel for us today? It's the same for us today. Look, it would be naive for us to say and say, you know, that, that dadgum Israel, man, they never got it figured out. 
You know, they were just always dealing with, with idols. They never got it figured out. You have done zero internalization of that towards yourself. The real question is, what idols do you have? What idols do we have as modern day Christians? What idols do we have? An idol is something that is so sacred to you that when somebody touches it, it infuriates you. You can't have that. That means, guess what? You put that before your God. Because if you, if you serve Jesus Christ and you love him with all your heart, there is nothing that you keep from him. You can't tell me that. I'm not. And matter of fact, you can hang on to those idols all you want. You know, I'm doing my part by notifying you. I'm doing my part. I'll help you. We'll do whatever we can to remove those things. And I'll, I'll, I'll lock arms with you and we'll go to work to get rid of those things. I'll do everything I can to help you. But if you think I can take it away for you, it can't happen that way. Well, I give God everything except for this. That is a God. And that is an idol. You understand that? Why? Because we hang on to those things and we hold on to them because guess what? This is my rock. This is my foundation. This is what's important to me. I like to serve God because it looks good on paper. It makes me look good in front of other people. It's not the way it works. Or it's a contingency plan. I remember I was around somebody. It's been years and years ago. I worked with her and she had on her desk, she had a, she had a cross. And she had a, 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 a Buddha. Yeah, she had a Buddha and a cross. Now, being the young man of eloquent words that I was at the time. I said, what's wrong? Are you confused? <laughs> and she, she looked at me. Of course, she was incensed, obviously, because you're going to win a lot of people over coming at them like that, right? Uh, I've since learned. <laughs> she was one of those uh, new age type people, right? Oh, well, you know. I was raised a Catholic, but now I'm Buddhist. Uh, huh? I'm like, I don't understand that. How's that work? Well, I'm half Catholic and I'm half Buddhist. I didn't know you could split your spirit in half. You know what I mean? I, I, was, I, I, didn't, know, I didn't even know how to answer it. I, I kind of, it's, it, you know, believe it or not, it's one of the few times that this guy was left speechless. Because I walked away going, I don't know how to answer that one. And I looked at that, and it, of course, obviously in reflection. And, 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 by the way, that did later change for her. It did later change. Um, she, she became full Christian about 10 years later, last I saw her. And so it was really kind of an interesting kind of transition that she, she underwent. That's another subject for another day. But it was one of those things I, I looked at it, and I thought... Man, she was confused. And it was displayed on her own desk. She was confused. She just didn't know. So, obviously, fast forward to Jeremy now. I could handle that much better. Um, but you look at that and you go, man, why? Because, you know, Mars Hill, does that ring a bell? To the unknown God. Mankind's been doing that kind of stuff for a long time, haven't they? 
I believe in Jesus. I believe in the sun God. I believe in all these different gods. And Buddhist, yeah, I throw him in there too because he's a good guy. Gandhi, he's all right. You know, I like Gandhi. Throw him in there. All that means is there's no path. There's no direction. You see? There's no path. There's no direction. Because if you're, if you're divided amongst those different gods and those kind of things, now those are extremes. But really what trips most modern Christians up are not Gandhi, not those other things, not the, the, the Buddhism and, and all those other kind of things. It's, it's the spoils of life and the enticement of nice things, especially if you're an American and you live in this country. We're a very prosperous nation. It's the quest for those items become the things that trip us up. They're also the things that detract us from the basic principles that are provided to us in the Word of God. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, in verse 5, he says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. These words which I'm commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Then it shall come about when the Lord your God brings you in the land which he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you great and splendid cities which you did not build, and houses full of all good things which you did not build. And hewn cisterns, which you did not dig, and vineyards, and olive trees, which you did not plant, and you eat, and are satisfied. Then watch yourself. Wait, what? Why is he telling them to watch themselves? Remember that nature we talked about inside of all of us, the human nature that's inside of all of us? He says that you do not forget the Lord who brought you from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. You shall fear, fear only the Lord your God and shall worship him and swear by his name. You shall not follow other gods, any other gods of the people surround you. For the Lord your God in the midst of you is a jealous God. Otherwise, the anger of the Lord your God will be kindled against you and he will wipe you off the face of the earth. Well, God's a God of love. He is a God of love. He's also a God, he, he's a God of hate, too. Wait, what? Why would he be? If you have love, you have hate. Don't you? He's in charge of it all, folks. That's how that works. And he says, look, I'm going to take care. This is what he's telling Israel. I'm going to take care of you. You're going to go into a land of, you're talking about hewn cisterns, a plant, the vineyards, all these things. This land that you're going to go into, you did no work for. I'm going to give that to you. It is yours. I'm telling you right now, this is yours. You are, it is awaiting you. And it sounds eerily similar to what God has told us today. He says, look, in, in the New Testament, he's told us, look, there is a salvation that awaits us. There's a redemption that awaits us. There's a kingdom that awaits us. A glorified body that awaits us. It, none of us did anything to deserve it. Just like Israel didn't do anything to deserve it. They didn't put in any of that work. We didn't put in any of that work. But he tells them, 
listen, don't forget. Don't forget it's me that gave it to you. It's the age-old struggle with mankind, isn't it? We forget what God does for us. And we get distracted by what? Foreign gods. Our, our feet turn to the right, they turn to the left. That proverb that we were talking about in chapter 4, right? We get off on the left and off. That's what those gods are. Those gods are, they, they're distractions. They take us off the path that, that we have put our lives on by the choice and by our faith that we put in Jesus Christ. All those gods and all those things, they come up, they're distractions. And they, they cause us to deviate from the path of life. Life now, salvation now, and salvation when he returns. That's what those things are. I always I like to share this 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 story. Uh, some of you may know him, some of you may not. Von Miller is a is a uh, he's a defensive end in the NFL, and I always think about this. It, it was uh, it was several years ago. He's going to end up in the Hall of Fame, which hurts me because he's a Denver Bronco. But uh, um, it, anyways, he's he's one of the best in the game. Has been for the last ten years. And, I, you know, I thought about this. You know, it was really kind of interesting. They were in the Super Bowl, and he got sick a couple days before the Super Bowl, right? And, man, I'll tell you right now, if Von Miller gets sick and you're going into the Super Bowl, Super Bowl, for those who don't know, Super Bowl is the biggest game of the year for, for the NFL, right? If your star defensive end or end linebacker gets hurt, you got a problem. You, you got to worry. Now you have a vulnerability in your defense that that other team that you're playing against will exploit for sure. You go, man, what happened? Well, he was in his press conference, and he ended up getting better before the game. And he said, well, you can't put regular fuel in a jet or in a Ferrari. It's basically he ate garbage food is what he did. He ate, like, you know, normal everyday food. You go, well... That shouldn't be that big deal. Do you guys understand that these are the, 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 the these athletes are at the peak of their performance? They have dietitians and they have people that tell them when to eat and how to eat and what to eat. Eating nachos and all those other kind of garbage things that we anything processed that we eat, they don't eat that kind of stuff. And you go, what happened? Well, he got he got off on the path and thought he could have something that was nice, and it derailed him for a moment. They don't eat that kind of stuff. And it was really kind of an interesting thought. It was literally, he got sick for a couple days because he ate regular food, what we would call regular food. It's kind of an interesting thing. It took him off his path, didn't it? He, he went and looked at something, tried it. Oh, man. And it almost cost him being able to play in the game. Something as simple as that? That's the way I look at it. It's the way I understand the scripture to teach. I got two more scriptures to read. Matthew chapter 22.
verse 35. It says, one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and prophets. Hmm. That is a summary of what I would call a summary of the old law and a condensed version for the New Testament for us, for the new covenant. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. It's important. It's important for all of us. It's important for mankind. It's important for Christians. It's important for people that, that put their faith and their belief in Him. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service, service of worship. Okay. And do not keep, be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. We must be transformed in this life. We must understand that God has called us to a greater purpose, a greater calling than merely existing. See, when we only define ourselves by our possessions and by the sides of town that we live on or, or the cars that we drive, that's, that's selling ourselves short. We're not defined by all those things. Are all those things nice to have? Sure. We're all going to have them. The reality of it is God said, I'm going to give you those things. We're all going to have them. It just depends on what we do to him, do for him to get those things and how well we use what he gives us whether or not he's going to entrust us with more. Well, I think I deserve this. I can tell you right now, if that comes out of your mouth, I think I deserve this, you're probably not going to get it. Newsflash, that's kind of the way the world works. That's kind of the way God works. Now, if someone comes to you and says, I think you deserve this, oh, you mean somebody would come and bestow more honor upon you? Ah, there's scripture that supports that too. Yeah, that's how that works. But when we say, I deserve this. No, that's not how that works. We must be transformed, as it says there, and not, not be conformed to this world. This world, we are defined by the very elemental things that exist. We're defined by the years of life. We're defined by the... Like I said earlier, by the side of town that we live on, we're defined by the amount of money that we make. We're defined by categories that they all put us in, by this world's standards. But when you're a servant of God, you're not defined by those things. Those things do not define you. doesn't mean we're not part of them. doesn't mean that it doesn't 
has some you know, effect on us, which it does. But it's not who we are. Our minds and our hearts are fixated on what God would have us to do. Our path is, is given to us so that we may please Him, as, as we said earlier. We've got to seek His kingdom first. And that we have to love the Lord with all of our heart, right? It's very, very important. It's fundamental in our pursuits and everything that we do this year. Brethren, I hope you all understand. I wish everybody in here to be successful. I wish everybody in here would grow and mature in their faith in the Lord. But, but you've got to understand that I could hope and wish for you guys. I could even pray for you guys. And, and, and we can all pray for one another. But if you don't apply yourself to those things, it will not happen. It requires your application. And requires us to have our priorities. Every one of us in here needs to have our priorities founded and rooted in the Word of God. When you do that, Blessings start to come. Not blessings and you say, well, hey, I'm going to make more money or I'm going to... Maybe. Then maybe not. But the blessings may come in other ways, in other, in, in other spiritual forms and things like that. Brethren, that is all I have for this morning.